0: The Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa.
1: Hey guys. Hi. What's up CJ? Um just drinking some wine on a Sunday afternoon. What's up with you, Melissa? Just dying on a Sunday afternoon. Welcome to the Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> you, you came back for more. It has actually been a, a long time since Melissa and I have recorded, and this is our first episode recording in, like, real time. Like, we're going to post this not that long from this moment.
0: Yeah, so when we talk about Fourth of July, you won't be hearing about that in October. <laughs>
1: like you heard about st patrick's day in july
0: <laughs> you guys yes. caught up but uh, we should- have a good excuse because we were we were we you know we spent months and months building this podcast and then we decided to reward ourselves with our first unpaid va- podcast vacation do we want to talk about just
1: quickly where we went
0: yeah so i went to bali for 10 days and then australia for 10 days and right when I got back you went on vacation
1: yes I went to Denver for about four days hiked in the Rockies which was majestic as fuck and then I went to the Grand Canyon hiked to the bottom and back in one day in 120 degree heat which you should never attempt but I did survive and then I spent some time in Sedona Arizona Which is a wonderful, hippie-ass place where I felt very much at home with my crystals and my tarot cards. And then I flew back to New Orleans. So that was about a 10-day vacation for me as well. Well, you had 20. Fuck, you were going for 20 days. I know.
0: And I also took eight airplane flights within those 20 days. (gasps) Oh, shit. Which is why I had to get prescribed Xanax before this vacation took place, because who can handle eight flights?
1: Are you afraid of flying?
0: No, but I'm afraid of being awake. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Same. Yeah, 15-hour flight. I do not want to be awake for that. I want to be unconscious, snoring in a chair. Love it. Love Which it. is how I handled all of those flights, except for my last one, where I shockingly got upgraded to first class <gasps> from Hawaii back to LA. Wait, so you, you were know what in Hawaii? I
1: did?
0: Yeah, I had a layover in Hawaii what what did you do well from australia home i had a layover in hawaii and i was beat as shit and i was like starving and it was only like a 45 minute layover And I had so many, like, airplane disasters that occurred. I haven't even told you. Like, they almost didn't let me into Australia because I didn't have a visa. I was panicking at the airport. The LAX didn't want me to go to Bali because they thought I was trying to live there forever because I didn't have a return flight. Like, it was just fucking drama (laughs) with the airplanes nonstop. And then so when I'm in Hawaii, like, literally on my deathbed after, like, 15 hours of flight and, like, two Xanax spills down the, the throat... I'm like just trying to eat a fucking sandwich and like regain humanity and I hear my name on the intercom and I'm just like motherfucker, Like what now? I'm almost home. I've had so much bullshit. Like what is the last fuck up that I'm gonna have to like go through? And I went to the front and they're like, oh, um, we're gonna upgrade you to first class.
1: Ooh, yes you're like that's fucking right and I was like yeah you
0: are I couldn't have ended on a better note and then I look like garbage because you know how like you just dress like garbage at the airport mm-hmm. and so I roll into first class sitting next to this like a hot 40 year old man and like he looked at me and I looked back at him and I'm like I'm not supposed to be here but I am. And then I like, that? yeah, like I don't fucking belong here. Look at me. I look like a bag lady. It was like, I just like rolled out of golden gate park. Like it was horrible. And then he was drinking a bloody Mary and I'm like, um, is that free? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like,
1: I'll take a mimosa. Fuck. Yes. And I drank
0: mimosas the entire flight home.
1: Fuck yeah. You know, my experience is that 40-year-old men love it when you look like total human garbage. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. That's actually something that uh, my old roommate Kelsey would tell you about all the time she got the best ass in life was when she rolled out of the burger joint at midnight and showed up into the bar in her stinky like bacon work uniform clothes, (laughs) top bun, no makeup, like just smelling like french fries and she'd just slay men out of the park. Yeah yeah it's a thing
1: it's a thing. I think it's because you give off at that point you're giving off such strong I don't give a fuck vibes that people are super into it you know because everybody is attracted to people who don't give a fuck about them. Everybody loves that. (laughs) Especially me. So, I have a flight, a shit flight story that's not as cool as that. But, on, so I booked my return flight for the Saturday before I had to return to work. I was like, cool, take Sunday off to just lie in my bed and die. And I was flying out of Burbank, which is, for anyone who doesn't know, the tiniest little airport on planet Earth. But it's so nice to fly out of because you don't have to wait in line for anything and they actually canceled our flight so they boarded us and then they said that there was some kind of technical issue and that would take at least four hours for it to get fixed because nobody hangs out at burbank so i had to stay an extra night in pasadena california I got some PF Changs, which is all you can do in Pasadena. Um, (laughs) Are you intentionally calling it that, or do you think that's what it's called? Just why was you? I think I hate that it's pronounced Pasadena. It's so clearly spelled Pasadena. (laughs) Pasadena, at least Pasadena. Yeah, 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 Pasadena.
0: I'm trying to, I'm
1: trying to give it a little white trash twang. Got it. Pasadena. So I was in Pasadena, uh, and. I actually got $200 free for Southwest for my inconvenience, so I basically have a little flight that I can take sometime, so kind Great. of a shit show, yeah, kind of a shit show, but I got a free flight out of it, so that's cool.
0: Um, Fuck yeah, well now we're back in real time. Now we're back.
1: I also feel like we should take a just a minute to let the listeners at home know what the visual is that they can't see right now. So I am sitting, I think it's actually hotter where you are right now, believe it or not, than it is in New Orleans, but I am sitting in some Lululemon pants and a like teal bralette with the messiest bun of all time sitting on top of my head, drinking wine out of a plastic cup I bought at Target. Melissa. And you have a beautiful view of a a washing machine behind your head. Oh, yeah, I'm in my new place. This is my first time recording in my new place.
0: And she's not in a closet. We're, like,
1: we're improving rapidly with every
0: episode. Um, And I am sitting on the ground in booty shorts and an old grandma bra that CJ referred to it as right when we logged on. And I have no makeup on, and my hair is a piece of shit, and I am sweating fucking profusely because my air conditioner is too loud for the recording, so now I'm sitting in a 300 square foot hot box, drenched in sweat, because it is 105 in Southern California right now.
1: Mm-mm. No thank you. So my oh. apartment is about 185. Does it usually? It doesn't usually get that hot in Southern California, right? What does it get, like 90s?
0: Like high 80s but i swear once a year every summer hell decides to come back to earth and scorch all of our soulless los angeles bodies with a little <laughs> bit of what our future will entail when we make it down under and so <laughs> it's just like a heads up you're all gonna come to hell one day here is a brief preview of your future
1: <laughs> this is what you get for living in los angeles or, yeah. a pa- or a pasadena
0: Paya Sedana in Los Angeles. <laughs> uh,
1: okay, should I? Should we do the... We'll just call it the review, because it's not yes. going to be purely wine this time. Um, so I am drinking... I'm actually excited. It doesn't suck. I was afraid it might. A wine that, of course, I got at my local Whole Foods, or the Paycheck, as I call it. Uh, hopefully you know that by now. It is called Live a Little, wildly wicked white and it was under the heading of alternative white so presumably I have no idea what it is there's nothing on the label that explains if it's a white blend if so what kind of whites it just says it's from South Africa and it says, sometimes we all need to break free and live a little. The South African wine is fun and easy drinking. Like its country and the people who make it, it has a whole lot of heart. Taste the sun in our wines, loosen up, lighten up, and live a little. And the label, you would like the label, I don't know if you can see it, it's like, it's basically me, it's just like this fat, slightly redheaded woman, like chasing a rocket ship with some stars in the background. (laughs) So it's basically a representation of me. um, and really? it's ve- and it's vegan friendly which is actually really hard to find most wine is not vegan people most people don't know that um not that I care I'm not vegan I'm vegetarian but not vegan but, but I don't cool. that doesn't make sense to me because most wine is processed with like with like animal bones yeah it's really weird gross. yeah just black it out guys don't worry about it I'm been a vegetarian. I've been a vegetarian for 15 years and that is something that I just completely block out. <laughs> like you can't take my wine. Don't take that away from me, please.
0: But like wh- how come everything we do has to be processed through an animal?
1: I like know. we're working
0: with fucking grapes here and you still manage to, like loop in some cow bones. Like I don't get it.
1: My hope, I don't know if this is true, but my hope is that I, that they, they already killed it for meat and they're at least using the whole animal. That's probably not true, but I'm choosing to believe that's what happened, but I want to live in a, in an illusion. Yeah. Yeah. What? So Melissa, why don't you explain your situation?
0: (laughs) So I can't drink today because I've basically like went back in time through a time machine for the past week and relived my life as like a 21 year old and basically (laughs) haven't stopped partying since fourth of july um nor have i slept nor have i like eaten food it's just been party on rock on and last night really tipped me over the edge when i went to a dead and company concert which is the grateful dead and john mayer and I smoked so many motherfucking joints
1: mm-hmm.
0: and got so high that I woke up this morning and couldn't even figure out who I was. And I've decided that after ten days of going strong, I could probably use a break. But I would like to I would like to tell you about the pot smoking because like every great American woman with very large tits. I was in charge of smuggling them into the concert.
1: Oh God, so many. Times.
0: Which, as I reminded you a few minutes ago, about 105 Los Angeles heat. They were very wet when they came out of the bra. Oh
1: <laughs> what did you? How did you dry them off? What did you do?
0: Well, luckily, my smart friend Bradley had little like plastic vials that we had them in. Oh, okay. but I had them one under one tit and one under the other tit and like <laughs> once I got them in he was like okay like let me get the joints and I'm like how about I go to the bathroom first and he's like why and I just looked at him and then he looked at me and he's like ah boob sweat <laughs> I'm like yes yes boob sweat I am not trying to pull these freaking files out of my sweaty boobs and pass them off to you right now Um, but it was really great because like basically at any Grateful Dead show it's like almost like anarchy and they just take over like the world and police can't do anything about it and so everybody just is like smoking like a fucking chimney and in the first two minutes the security guards try to pretend like they have any sense of power and they go around and they're like put that out put that out (laughs) and we just like laugh and keep smoking and it's like you know 12 security guards and 50,000 people smoking weed there's nothing you can do And so we all just smoked the whole night long, and it was like a good four hours of inhaling marijuana. Hell yeah. And I woke up this morning with no voice, which was either from screaming all night long or just smoking all night long, but either way, my body needs to be reminded that it's almost 30, and so I am therefore sober throughout the podcast today.
1: God bless. You know, that just brought back a fond memory of I think it was 2011 when I went to Outside Lands, which is, for those who don't know, is a big music festival that's held in Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. Uh, And I had a batch of like the fattest fucking mushrooms you've ever seen in your life. One of the caps, one of the caps was uh, literally bigger than my eye socket. Like we had shrooms for days and it was just my friend Eric and I who were going and we, I just remember us like we, I mean, they were huge. So we had, we had to kind of, you know, hide behind a tree before we went in the gate and we were having a completely 100% serious conversation in which he was saying things. He's like, okay, you boob this bag and I'm going to crotch this bag. shoving drugs into all of our little nooks and crannies Um, the moment you become very intimate with a (laughs) platonic
0: male partner friends
1: yes um and and it was beautiful we got super high and saw dead mouse because that was when dead mouse was cool and we had a great time thanks drugs you were cool once and thanks boobs
0: you always get us through every important moment in life oh my god the things i've smuggled in these tits just (laughs) that
1: could be that could be the uh, title of an autobiography
0: (laughs) (laughs) i mean my claim to fame was the time i fit seven airplane size jaeger bottles in both boobs
1: holy shit i mean your (laughs) boobs are pretty big i'm not gonna lie so that (laughs) jesus christ that's so many (laughs) i was a very happy camper that night okay this is i swear to god this is the last thing i'm going to say about tits but (laughs) (laughs) uh about a year ago sometime last summer i went uh to this party here in new orleans and then we ended up at this bar in a neighborhood called the bywater and there was this guy who has this thing that he calls tracuzzi and it's literally a jacuzzi on, like, a trailer that he attaches to a truck and he rides it through some Mardi Gras parade. And occasionally he just parks it outside of bars and you could just sit in this jacuzzi and drink your bar drinks. And I was wearing, I hadn't planned to go and I was wearing my friends, like a little bra of my friends, but she's about two bra sizes bigger than me. So my tits were super smashed together and it was perfect. I could just put my drink in my tits and drink it out of a straw. <laughs> I didn't have it it was so lovely okay I'm done that's it no more, no more no more bitch tits talk
0: all right well I'm happy we uh this this ended up being the the boob review the but wine, I'm sure no one's no one's mad about it the wine bud
1: and boob review
0: yes uh, okay well, maybe we should start, you
1: know, talking
0: about, like, important women and shit.
1: <laughs> We're really uplifting women with this fucking podcast. We put drugs on our tits. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I guess I'm going to go. Okay. I went, I went first last time, I know, but um, Melissa's getting her strength back. yeah. So, I'm going to go. And I'm since I'm the only one drinking, we thought maybe I should go before I get too hammered yes uh, so fucking excited i actually think you will love my woman if you don't know her and love her already i think you're gonna really fucking like her so i'm super i've excited just like accepted
0: her. the fact that i don't know anyone so <laughs> like thank god we're doing this podcast because i don't know anybody that's ever existed on planet earth and you just keep introducing me to great 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 people so let's I mean, just go with i don't
1: know who this is the same so this is one of my very favorite young women uh she's 24 who's kicking out on the streets right now she is a U.S. gymnast and two-time Olympian by the name of Allie Raisman does this ring any bells I think for you? I do know who this is okay okay do you want to say something you look you look thoughtful
0: I, I was I'm I can I'm thinking of her in terms of the way she looks is she a brunette
1: Yes, and she's always rocking either, like, the world's tightest bun or a super, super high pony. It's her signature look. Okay. Yeah. Did he she probably
0: recently... D- was she in par- in a part of the,
1: the really fucked up shit that happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. We'll get into that. That's why I'm kind of cutting it right. off. Yeah. So you do know who she is. Okay, cool. Yes. You're, good. You're about to learn more. All right, folks at home, put your drinks in your tits and get ready. So... Ali Raisman, uh, again, an Olympic gymnast. She was born in 1994, which makes me feel old as fuck, in Needham, I think it's Needham, Massachusetts. It could be Needham, who knows. She started gymnastics at the ripe old age of two years old, <laughs> so I was taking shits in the backyard when I was two years old, fun fact about me, guys, and, uh, and she was doing gymnastics, God bless her. So she's been doing, of her 24 years in existence, 22 of those years has been spent practicing gymnastics. I'm gonna skip ahead real quick to 2009 when she's 15 years old. So that's when she starts competing at what's called the senior level. So there's junior, senior, and then I think elite elite is where you can start going for the actual Olympics. Probably wrong about that, someone correct me. And if you, real quick, if you look at her record from 2009 up to the 2012 olympic year she's like a fucking textbook athlete in 2009 she you know she's placing maybe 11th 10th 9th at all of these competitions then you go to 2010 it's like 8th 7th And then she keeps going until in the year of the Olympics, she's actually starting to place third, second, first in these competitions. She's just on this very strong trajectory. Um, I want to talk a little bit about her kind of signature characteristics. So she's what's called, what some people call a power gymnast. So do you remember when we covered the Surya Bonali story and I was talking about how she was a power figure skater and how that was very poo-pooed in the figure skating community? Yeah. Like they really wanted somebody who is kind of a ballerina. It's kind of almost the opposite of that nowadays in US gymnastics, where it used to be very Um, graceful it was all about your toe points and your lines and your arms and how cool and cute you looked but now it's all about the stunts that you can pull which some people don't like I personally like that because it's a sport and you should be judged on your sport so she's a power gymnast which basically means she's just out there busting out all of the moves absolutely insane you should I'm gonna link Oh fuck this is a good plug sorry I'm going off topic we have a website up now guys mimosasisterhood.com sorry we didn't mention that earlier Uh, and we're gonna do little blog posts about each episode so if we mention any cool videos or articles you should check out we're gonna post them in those blogs I will post some video links to some of her routines because they're absolutely amazing Uh, she's also known for being someone who is just completely unshakable like she does not break under pressure it's sort of a saying in the gymnastics community that Allie Raisman doesn't rattle. So you just know that she's reliable. If you put her out there, she will get her shit done. So in 2012, she makes the Olympic team. And to my point, this is a quote from the now former national team coordinator Marta Caroli about Allie Raisman quote she is just so solid she goes out there and doesn't act like she's bothered by anything she knows she's ready and she doesn't put any extra pressure on herself she gives her heart and then one more quote from former olympian uh also competed and trained with ali raisman her name is alicia marie sacramoni she says "Ally is the backbone if you want her to go do a solid routine she's going to do it so just a reliable ass athlete she makes it to the 2012 london games london olympic games and she's the team captain so she's sort of just already got this leadership quality to her and in that particular competition it's i don't it's not like she was a wild card people knew she was a good gymnast she already had a reputation going But everyone's kind of favorite pick for the U.S. team was this other gymnast named Jordan Weber. Everybody was like, oh, she's going to get the gold medal in the all-around. She's America's sweetheart. But when it comes down to it, you never know what the fuck's going to happen in the Olympics. Jordan Weber doesn't even qualify for the all-around and ends up going home without any medal except for the team medal. And Allie Raisman was not expected to qualify for the all-around, but she ends up qualifying for the all-around competition, and also ends up getting medals in other events. And you can even see when she's waiting for her scores after the all-around, I don't know if they're called trials, but when, you, when they decide who's gonna actually compete in the all-around, you can tell on her face, she's like, holy shit, <laughs> I'm about to compete in the all-around, I had no idea this was gonna happen. Anyway, so she ends up in that Olympics in 2012 at London. She ends up getting a bronze medal on beam. uh, And she was actually tied for bronze and they had to do a tiebreaker and she ended up getting the bronze. She did not medal in the all around, which is significant because it comes up in 2016. She tied for the bronze again in the all around, but she lost that tiebreaker. So she loses a bronze by tiebreaking, but she also wins a bronze by tiebreaking. But that's important because she comes back in 2016 with a fucking vengeance. Uh, at 2012, she also gets a gold medal for the team competition because the US gymnastics team is unfucking touchable and they win the gold. And she also got a gold medal for her floor routine, making her the first American woman to win a gold medal on the floor in gymnastics. Flash forward to 2016, the Rio Olympics, she's back. And so is Gabby Douglas, which was another member of that team. It's significant because it's not that women returning to the Olympics for gymnastics is super rare, but it's also not that common because when you're an elite gymnast, you're basically working against puberty. You have like no body fat. Your entire body is just bone and muscle. And so once you kind of peak, your body's like hey girl remember all the hormones i was trying to release you're about to be a woman now sorry about it and then it's just harder to pull off your body just changes and it's harder to pull off some of the moves that you that you could do previously so it's not like it's totally unheard of, but it's really uncommon. I think her and Gabby Douglas were the first women from the US to do back-to-back Olympics in like 16 years. So Mm. it's not, yeah, so it's not a super common thing. So it's already badass that she's come back to the Olympics, but it's super badass because in 2016, Allie Raisman is better than she's ever fucking been. Like if you thought that bitch peaked, sorry, she's not a bitch, but if you thought that girl peaked in 2012, she had a whole lot to tell you in 2016 so she comes back she's team captain again of course they win gold again because nobody can beat the u.s gymnastics team Uh, so she gets a gold in the team event she gets a silver in floor and she gets a silver in the fucking all-around that she just barely missed a bronze medal on in 2012 so she has her moment of redemption in the all-around and I want to say something about that so in 2016 do you know who Simone Biles is the gymnast Simone Biles yeah Uh okay so Simone Biles as you may know is undisputably the best gymnast male or female that has ever lived like everybody recognizes it she can do shit that no one else can do that men can't do like she's absolutely incredible so the only not that this is only but the only reason Ali got silver on floor and silver on all around is because she was literally competing against the Jesus of gymnastics which is Simone Biles so <laughs> but aren't they, they on
0: the same team
1: yeah they're on the same team so you can te- still
0: go after the same stuff and
1: yeah so I probably sorry I, should, I probably should have started with that I just assume people know gymnastics for some fucking reason so there's the team event where so there's four events there's the floor routine there's the beam the balance beam there's the uneven bars where they flip up and down between the bars and then there's the vaults and the teams compete for the team medal so if your team wins the gold you all get a gold medal Um, but then you compete in individual events as well and then individual gymnasts compete in what's called the all-around so whoever gets the highest scores on all four of those events gets their own individual all-around medal Hmm. so right so on the so her she gets the gold because the team won the golds in the team event but then her and simone are up against each other on the floor and they're up against each other on the all around as well okay yeah Yeah. So all that to say, like, she kicked some fucking ass. And what I love about Allie Raisman is she seems so genuinely invested in the success of her teammates. I remember watching interviews of her from the Rio games, and she would say things like, I just want to see Simone get the gold, and I want to get the silver. You know, it wasn't, yeah, she was just very mature and very dignified and very genuinely invested in the success of Simone and everyone else on her team. Um, Do you think it was like also partly because she knew Simone was just like an all
0: around badass champion, and like she just accepted that she'd probably always run second,
1: so she would, just became humble with that fact. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, which is significant because I mean, at the fucking Olympic level level, I think it's hard to be humble. You know, yeah, <laughs> like you would like just like
0: you know when the fucking ice skaters slashed each other. Did that happen? <sighs>
1: Uh Tanya Harding. <laughs> <laughs> they slash each other. They fucking sliced each other's throats open with their ice skates on the ice. Oh, you guys didn't catch that? <laughs> Point being, people can get fucking crazy. <laughs> Absa fucking lately. I actually, okay, side note real quick. I saw I follow the NBC Olympics Instagram page, which if you guys don't follow that. Whoever runs that page needs a goddamn raise. They are so funny. But they posted a video. Now everybody is doing trials for the 2020 Olympics. And they posted a video of this ethi- of this race. And this Ethiopian runner straight up, like, tries to pull down another runner while they're running. Like, not on accident. Like, straight up tries to push him over. Which is like, you're a dick. Go fuck yourself. Anyway, <laughs> back, to, back to Ali Raisman. That is not Ali. She is a wonderful sport. Um... So she comes back, gets her redemption in the all-around, and you guys, this is something I highly recommend you do if you're having a bad day. Every And I honestly do this. Every so often, I watch a YouTube video of her floor routine from her all-around competition at 2016. It's the last event she does before she gets the all-around medal. Holy fucking shit. Like You don't even need to understand gymnastics to understand how badass her routine is. And her first tumbling pass across the floor like she she, I mean like the amount of flips backflips, double duty twists or whatever they're called that she does in that one run is absolutely insane um and at the end of that routine she just bursts out into tears because she knows she's got the silver medal like she knows she she's redeemed herself and she's just crying and it's so beautiful and it makes me cry when I watch it I get so excited I'm gonna link it in the blog it's so awesome you guys should check it out So at the end of that Olympics, that brings her to a total of six Olympic medals over her career. So three golds, two silvers, and a bronze, making her the second most decorated Olympic gymnast behind gymnast Shannon Miller. So that's the cool shit. That's her amazing athletic career. Now, it's going to get a little bit heavy because, as Melissa alluded to, there's some bullshit that went down with USA Gymnastics, and it's part of what makes Allie's story so cool because she's turned tragedy into triumph and has become this really awesome advocate. We are going to talk a little bit about sexual assault, so for anybody for whom that might be really upsetting, you may want to skip ahead to Melissa's person at this point. So, Allie, most of us know about this by now, Allie was one of hundreds of athletes who came forward in 2016 and 2017 uh, with reports of sexual abuse in USA Gymnastics. And real motherfucking quick, just so you guys know the depth of this, over 368 athletes have been sexually assaulted by gym owners, coaches, and staff working for USA Gymnastics programs across the country. And the one ultra mega douchebag that most of us have heard of is the now ex USA Gymnastics physician Larry Nasser. I will not say his name again cuz he is a piece of shit and all told he sexually assaulted 250 Underaged girls in his run as the fucking physician for USA Gymnastics and is a garbage human being. Allie was one of the women who came forward with allegations of abuse, specifically with that douchebag. Um, and she, so. Sorry, let me back up a little bit. I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to give it just a little bit more background. I don't want to get too dark, but just so you guys know what Ali Raisman is fighting against. So, a wonderful um, article in the Indianapolis Star, which I recommend everybody check out, and I will link to, says that over 54 coaches, so not even counting the staff and everyone else, were reported to USA Gymnastics with allegations of abuse and misconduct and they we don't know the exact numbers because the records are sealed but many many of those reports were never reported to the authorities so usa gymnastics basically just put them in a file and we're like cool thanks bye Um, and so wait these are these are coaches that you're referring to this specifically is coaches okay This isn't even including that asshole who was on trial and the gym owners and anybody else who was involved. Like, there's a whole fucking scandal behind all of this. So basically, USA Gymnastics isn't doing shit. And they actually said in... So there was a trial for a coach. I don't remember his name, and I don't want to. But he actually went to trial for sexual assault and got convicted and ended up killing himself in prison like a piece of shit douchebag. But in that trial on record usa gymnastics representatives say that they seldom if ever forward allegations of child abuse to police or to child protective services because of potential damage to the coach's reputation
0: so and they went publicly and spoke those words out loud to be recorded
1: and documented well they said it on trial so they're in like legal documents from a fucking suit so those weren't
0: in I don't even understand how you can say that out loud and feel justified. I know. Absolutely disgusting.
1: Yeah, let's protect the coaches and not the 8-year-old, 9-year-old, 12-year-old girls who are being sexually assaulted. Cool. Cool story, bro. Great work, USA Gymnastics. Um... And actually, so now former U.S. USA Gymnastics, I'm just on the cards to start calling it USAG, so I don't have to say that whole thing. Former USAG president Steve Penny said in a 2014 court deposition, swear to God, that the, po- the possibility of a witch hunt is very real. And officials have to move carefully on complaints because quote, the coach is as much a member of this as the athlete. This fucker resigned in 2017 after allegations went public with a $1 million severance package. They were like, hey, way to cover up abuse. Here's $1 million. Take some USA Gymnastics swag on the way out. Go fuck yourself. So and Allie Raisman has actually spoke out directly about that, saying that we could have taken that $1 million and created a support plan or a support program for for the survivors of this assault. So she's she's come for him on that. Anyway, fuck USCG. Also the United States Olympic Committee has been Woefully silent. They came out with some rant, you know, they came out with some, this is so sad, we're so sorry, we hope the athletes are okay, and haven't said anything since. And I'm bringing this up for a reason. So in 2017, so last July, about a year ago, Asshole Nasser is what I'm gonna call him. He had already been uh, sentenced to 60 years in prison for possession of child pornography, and then he went to a separate trial for the sexual abuse. And over the span of four days last July, one hundred over 150 women testified against him. And one of those women was Allie Raisman. And have you seen her testimony? Did you ever watch that? I have.
0: Um, okay. But more specifically, I, what I remember being so enraged about was... Um, After all of those testimonies, or even halfway through the testimonies, I can't remember, he had gone to, like, the judge and been like, make it stop, I can't handle it anymore.
1: Oh, girl, we're gonna get into that, too. Yeah, he really was like, woe is me, this is so tragic. We'll get to that. So... All these women testify for those of you who haven't seen Allie's testimony i hi- and, and you can stomach it i highly recommend you watch it it's about 13 minutes long you can find it on youtube i think it was on cnn she with that high ass ponytail on top of her head looks him in the eye with like so much fire and she uses his name over and over again she addresses him like larry stares at him like she lets him know i'm not afraid of you and you are fucking garbage and about halfway through her testimony she lights the entire world on fire she comes for usa gymnastics she comes for the u.s olympic committee she's basically like where the fuck were you why aren't you guys doing anything why isn't she says this why isn't anyone from the u.s olympic committee at this trial right now nobody was at the trial Like, what are you guys doing? So she just straight up is ready to burn it to the ground. And he ends up, for those who don't know, he ends up getting sentenced to an additional 40 to 175 years in prison. And the judge, because she was so fucking pissed about him being like, stop and I can't handle it. It's so sad. As she was reading out his sentence, she said, her name is Judge Rosemary Aquilina. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I'm white as fuck. She said, and I quote, I just signed your death warrant. Yeah, so I she, that. she was pretty fucking pissed. And rightfully so because he's human garbage. So that die that guy will absolutely die in prison as he should. Okay, bringing us to today. So Allie will not let this go. Allie will not let this go. She is ready to fight this as far as she needs to fucking fight this. And in February of 2018, so February of this year, she filed a lawsuit against the United States or the USA Gymnastics and the US Olympic Committee to try to get them to be held accountable for how much abuse they let go on. And a couple of other gymnasts, I didn't write their names down, but a couple of other gymnasts have also filed lawsuits against both of those entities. Now this is sort of her, raison d'etre um so this is sort of her main cause that she's fighting for now she's kind of stepped back from gymnastics it doesn't sound like she plans on going to the 2020 Tokyo games Um, she is she wrote a memoir that came out last year called fierce which among other things talks about her experiences as a survivor of sexual abuse she's partnered with a organization called darkness to light which is an advocacy group for the prevention of childhood sexual abuse. She does interviews in the press about it. She tours the country and speaks at colleges and universities about sexual abuse and how they can handle reports of abuse better. And this is something I also really liked about her. She, you know, because she's a two-time Olympic champion and with that comes a lot of sponsorship opportunity and a lot of opportunity for you to make millions of dollars. But she will only partner with brands that support that message. And this is a quote from an InStyle article I read of, that in which they interview her. She says, if a brand isn't supportive of the Me Too movement, then I don't want to be associated with it. So even though she could be making bank off of sponsorship, she's very selective about who she allows to sponsor her and will only work with brands that are willing to speak out against sexual abuse, which is fucking awesome. That's, that's amazing. Right. And I will end on this. This was from a video on the same InStyle article that I read. She said, this is from Ali, quote, when I was training and competing, I put 100% in every single day and it's the same with everything I'm doing now with supporting women and supporting the Me Too movement. And that's what I love about Ally Raisman because I said, as I said a few minutes ago, Ally Raisman does not fucking rattle. And so no. now she is out there at the age of 24 years old, letting everybody know that the shit is not okay. And she's taking on these huge entities that a lot of people would be afraid to take on. And she's doing it with so much class and dignity. And I just fucking love her and that is Allie Raisman
0: oh, oh my god I have so many thoughts like girl
1: go tell me everything
0: you know it just even what you just said with the what is what are the what is the slogan Allie doesn't rattle
1: yeah well I like, don't know if that's a slogan but I made it but up like <laughs> <laughs> no but nice. I thought you said people have have like said that before I mean, it's just, it's sort of that, I don't know if they've said those exact words, but that's how she's known. Like, Raisman doesn't okay. rattle. Yeah. Got it. Okay.
0: Yeah. So even just, like, the fact that that was, like, a well-known info from, like, the beginning of time in her just life and career, like, you know, it, it, and throughout all of her competitions, never never rattling, always being able to go up there and get shit done, and, like, that even being able to continue in one of the most, like, tragic And horrific things anyone could ever go through, like still being able to maintain that type of composure Mm -hmm. is just like an an amount of strength that like most people don't have. For sure. And it's like you almost wonder like, are you built that way? Like being that she was a competitor, you know, the day she came out of the womb, like I almost wonder if there's like a personality training that, not like intentionally, but like you've now developed all of these intense strong hardcore focused traits because of the type of um, lifestyle you've lived and if that you know in a sense has benefited her in you know farther out than competition but tragedy and like heartbreak and
1: right well that's part of I mean and it's not just her right these are hundreds at pretty much every olympic athlete on the usa gymnastics female team from the last three olympics was sexually assaulted by this guy and yet they still went out and handled their shit and brought home gold medals and like i can't even have a bad day without going home and crying (laughs) it's unbelievable like the street yeah the strength of character that's required in order to to handle that is just beyond my comprehension well
0: there's also a lot of irony behind it where it's like you trained us to be these strong 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 female competitive dominant women and then you like abused us which doesn't even make sense like you created us to be warriors and then you took advantage of whatever tiny little fragment of vulnerability we could possibly have and the irony is that you didn't think we'd come back and fucking kill you
1: like (laughs) like, right
0: right what are you doing right Right. Like you didn't think we'd we create our own warrior army of women and fucking destroy your life? <laughs> right. It's like you built us to do this. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Like I seriously think that I must have some like very uh hardcore blood in my system because like I want to go and like burn people's houses down when they fuck with me. Mhm. Like I'm not like the humble. Oh no. You know,
1: Girl, just you're a <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, I want to though. Like, I want to build the fucking army and come for blood.
1: Yes. Yeah, I support this, just so you know. <laughs> just put it out there.
0: I just couldn't imagine. Like, yeah. I just couldn't even imagine. And then on top of that, like, literally at 24 years old, having to recognize that you have spent every single day of your life since two years old to become this... You know, gymnast and this competitor, and then to have that entire, you know, lifestyle ripped out from under you and have it have been a whole scam the entire time. Yeah. And like, it's, I couldn't even imagine how devastating just recognizing that and accepting that for what it is would be. Yeah. 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 Like everything you've worked for is what ended up hurting you in it's the It's like, it's like
1: tainted. All yeah shit. Yeah. and yeah.
0: how do you like go on like how do you like start over and be like okay what am I gonna do next and how can I trust that that isn't gonna be you know another thing that fucking destroys me in my future and like I just I couldn't imagine how you would navigate through life after this yeah
1: well I mean I, my so I didn't actually read this but I talked to to Jimmy who is my best friend who's an Aquarian for the goddamn record for you Aquarians who are real upset about how we're talking about y'all my best <laughs> friend is an Aquarius thank you very much but he's he is I mean I literally consulted him for this episode because he knows everything about women's gymnastics and he's gay by the way he's not predatory you guys I just want to put that out there um but he he told me that's one of one gymnast actually like killed herself over this <sighs> shit yeah Yeah, so it's, I mean, definitely, yeah, it's some really, really heavy stuff. And it's also, you know, going back to Ali, something that I read, I forget what interview it was... That um, a lot of girls and women come up to her when she's speaking at these events or she's out in public, and they they basically want to share their, their story with her because they're like, oh my god, thank you so much for bringing attention to these issues. Like I'm a victim too, and she's and she said in this article, it might have been in style. She said, you know, I'm really I'm so happy that I'm able to be that for people. It's also really fucking heavy to be that for people, you know, to ha- to take in all of these really traumatic stories of women. And so she's actually, I don't know if she had planned to compete in 2020 Tokyo anyway, but she's basically said, you know, I don't, I'm not training like I used to because I'm dealing with this trauma. You know, I'm an Olympic athlete who's used to working out six or seven hours every single day of my life. And there are some days now where I only run for like five minutes and just learning to be okay with that and learning to be gentle with myself and just because she's still fighting it. You know, she's got this lawsuit out. She's being really active about it. It's not, you know, trauma doesn't just go away. After it's done, you know, it goes on forever and you le- have to learn how to manage it. And that she's managing it by helping other women come out with their stories is just so powerful and badass. Yeah. Um, and some people have actually said, and I was thinking this too, some people have said that she should run for office at some point in her life. And she's like, whoa, I'm young. I don't know enough about politics, like whatever. But Allie Raisman, in my imaginary world in which you're listening to our podcast, I just want you to know that I would vote for you if you were in for <laughs> office. Um, I don't live in Massachusetts like you do, but I might move there just so I can vote you in. So
0: Yeah. Well yeah. again, in situations like this, sometimes I wish we were back in like the prehistoric archaic days and we can just like tie that guy to a pole and what? then get all four hundred right. of those women in a circle and then it's just like one, two, three charge and then just have Adam. I know, for real. Like, I just was, tear yeah. his body into a million pieces with our bare hands.
1: 100%. <laughs> 100%. Or just like, or something I was thinking about, you know, those like little, um if you've ever been to like a fancy tea place and they have those little uh, metal things that you pick up sugar cubes with. <laughs> just like slowly tearing his flesh apart with thousands of those just like such a torture just all these women just slowly picking him apart you guys don't worry i i put a little bit of thought into this but fuck that guy and fuck, oh and and again, this is all about Allie. So I don't want it to become just like oh, tragic. I really think she's done an incredible job of turning all of this bullshit into really positive, into as much of a positive thing as you possibly could, um, and a source of strength for her and for other women. I want to end on fuck USA Gymnastics and fuck the U.S. Olympic Committee. And if you'll remember from the um, Winter Games, I don't know if you remember this, Russian athletes couldn't compete under the Russian flag because of the Russian doping scandal. So they had to just, they kind of just came and, I forget what they called it, but they just compete as individual athletes. And I'm like, the USA Gymnastics team should not be allowed to like the u.s should not be able to claim gymnastics gold medals from this point forward if they're not going to address this shit they have no, no right. they have no right to claim those athletes those athletes should just get to compete as individuals because fuck that um so it'll be interesting to see you know what ally's able to do and other athletes are able to do is they're bringing lawsuits against usa gymnastics but usa gymnastics you suck ass and i hate you the end crazy
0: fucking nuts dude but I love Allie Raisman.
1: And if yeah. you guys don't... If you don't already, follow her on Instagram. Because she... You know, even though she's been through all this terrible stuff, she's such a positive person. And so many of her messages on Instagram are about kindness and taking care of one another and loving each other. And she's just an all-around loving, badass bitch. And I love her. And I will be very surprised if you can guess her star sign or her sun sign. Because it didn't, it did not make any sense to me.
0: Well, I have one... I already have one that I wanted to guess, but I'm gonna
1: assume it's wrong. Okay, go. Capricorn. I I fucking knew you were gonna guess that. No, no, that's that would have been my guess too.
0: <laughs> okay, well then my I feel like it's gonna have to be a water sign.
1: It's not a water sign. It's not a water sign. It's you're not, dude. It's so uh, it's so out of left field. Um. I don't know, Libra? Closer, but no. Is it a Leo? No. I have no idea. I have no clue. She's a fucking Gemini. No sense. She's... I'm like, you are... (laughs) As a Gemini... Before you guys get mad, I'm a Gemini, as you know. As a Gemini, (laughs) I'm like, you are way too cool to be a fucking Gemini. (laughs) You are too amazing. We're so she's so steadfast that's why i thought she was an earth sign too she's so like about it and steady and stable and that's not a gemini quality generally speaking that's nuts
0: yeah god we've covered so many gemini's
1: well you know what's even funnier her birthday is may 25th so she shares a birthday with miss stevie nicks
0: oh wow Mm -hmm. huh Mm -hmm. crazy yeah
1: well, yeah, would, that would not have that was... Un-
0: yeah, I'm surprised. I wonder if she has Capricorn placements.
1: I know. I meant to look it up, but then I didn't because I'm lazy. But, yeah. yeah. Allie, let us know. Go,
0: Allie. Yes. That was great. I'm happy yes. that you covered that. It, and like, I feel like we even mentioned this scandal
1: like the very beginning of days that we were talking about the podcast oh did we and i yeah. also i thought about real quick we can edit this out if we want but i thought about because the last episode i did miss major and i feel like i got into some like very heavy places and i was like well fuck like i don't want to do too heavy back to back but at the same time we are talking about women and unfortunately This is a really common experience for women. So, you know, like we want to uplift women, but also, and also part of what makes women so badass is that we have to put up with so much bullshit and we still manage to do it and be badass people. So fuck yeah, Allie Raisman well Allie, Allie raisman u.s president 2020 just put it out there <laughs> Just put it out there at a whopping age of what 26 years old i oh yeah she's not it's not even you can't even run for president until you're 35 whatever the constitution doesn't exist anymore so well aren't cares? there
0: like five-year-old kings in other countries and shit like yeah i mean fuck it um well this is like actually a pretty well-paired woman with my woman they're kind of Ooh. going hand in hand. Tell me. So we have a very hardcore women's rights episode today, mm. and it's exciting. Well, your Ali raisman story just gave me so much life. Are you? <laughs>
1: I'm popping bottles. Uh- for the listeners at home, Melissa Herrera has, oh shit, I just said your last name. Melissa, has, deci- <laughs> Melissa has decided to, uh, to drink. What you do you, now you have to give a review, you have to tell us. This wasn't planned, but I think
0: I've come back to life, so obviously I'm going to drink wine now. <laughs> this was a bottle that I had purchased for today, but I didn't think I was going to be able to put it back, but I'm feeling good. But it's called Flip Flop Wines, and it's mm. Pinot Grigio, and let's see how it tastes. oh wow that is uh very grapey okay
1: and uh a, you made a bad face <laughs> <laughs> you made a really bad face it's a little bit like just potently sour almost but i also all right for, for the i keep wanting to say viewers at home for the listeners at home she is drinking her wine out of a mason jar and I am drinking mine out of a plastic cup. So I just
0: also like the world's smallest mason jar. It's really like it, it's not like a normal size. All right. So sorry, that was me. OK, go. go. <laughs> All right. I'm positive you know who this is, but I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't. And I randomly stumbled across her while I was just, like, desperately searching for inspirational women on the internet. And she popped out, and I had never heard of this story or her, and I found it to be so cool and interesting. Uh, But I might be the only person in the world that doesn't know of her. So, (laughs) we'll see. Um, But today, I'm going to be covering Gloria Steinem.
1: Yes, bitch. (laughs) so you know who she is yes yes yes
0: okay so like the brief little you know description about her is that she's basically a social activist a journalist a writer an editor and a lecturer who's been an outspoken champion of women's rights since the 60s and people might most notably know her as the woman that went undercover at the playboy club
1: oh i don't know that yeah so I'm, so I'm excited okay this she went under fucking cover and busted hugh
0: hefner's ass <laughs> and fucking handled shit Fuck yeah. so i thought that was so cool and i never heard of that before so i figured we'd cover her Um, So a little bit of backstory on her life. She was born in Toledo, Ohio in 1935. And just like Rebel Wilson, she had a very strange upbringing because her dad owned a traveling antique business where the whole family lived in this trailer and they just went all over the world and he sold antiques out of the trailer. Wow. Like, is
1: this a thing? I mean, Rebel's family was selling, like, dog toys or something out of a trailer. It makes me hate my family even more than I already do, because I'm like, all you did was raise me in the suburbs. God. (laughs) Well, because of their
0: um, constant traveling, Gloria didn't attend school until she was almost 11 years old. Whoa. They were just, like, basically, like, backpackers, and I don't know what
1: was she like homeschooled or were they just like, i
0: mean maybe whatever? to an extent out of the trailer but like i would doubt that there was any you know like extensive schooling that was happening while they're on their little like circus antique thing
1: she wasn't studying physics on the antique road
0: show <laughs> no So, yeah, uh, around 11 years old, when they finally, like, made a home base is the time that she started actually having a real education, but around that same time, her mother had, like, a really horrendous nervous breakdown, and forever after that, she was trapped in, like, delusional fantasies that occasionally turned violent. So, in the research that I did, I, I didn't find an exact diagnosis, but, um, Basically, she was referred to as mentally ill and experiencing bouts of depression. but it's it was on a level where she couldn't hold a job and she couldn't she wasn't ever living in the now. She was always in a fantasy world. Mm-hmm. And of course, at the same time, Gloria's father decided to divorce her and head off to California to just live and work there. And so Gloria, spent the next six years of her life taking care of her very ill mother
1: oh and you can't she- cook her clean for me anymore sorry bitch i gotta go
0: well yeah. so this is interesting this and didn't i'm I, a couple of things on this. So she basically t- took care of her mother, f- what I believe was another six years until she was at the age that she would attend college, mm-hmm. and then that's when she finally left, and I am I believe after she left, her mother went into a home, but mm-hmm. there was some conversation in regards to Gloria's thoughts on her father leaving, and if mm-hmm. she like held any type of resentment against him, and then also her thoughts on the experience of raising her mother, and how you know, at a young age, witnessing her mother in and out of mental institutions, not being able to hold jobs. I guess there was um, a lot of problems with the way her mother was treated in certain facilities. And that whatever type of injustices she witnessed with that whole experience is really what inspired her lifelong journey of like, social justice and women's rights. But she is quoted to have said that she holds no resentment for her father and that she understands where he was coming from and i didn't find very much more information on that but if i were to like make a you know a very ignorant assumption i would only assume that like whatever type of violence was occurring Mm. through the delusions was at a level that her she understood why her father would need to leave sure well Um, and
1: and if the table like if the tables were turned and it was a woman leaving her mentally ill violent husbands we would be probably like oh yeah of course you would do that so word yeah
0: so sense. i i can't you know this isn't concrete info that i found online i actually had trouble finding more info on it but that was um a little piece that i did read about that i found really interesting mm-hmm. um so she left and went to college, and she studied government, which at that time was considered a super non-traditional choice for a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and around this time, it was pretty clear that Gloria had no interest in following the common life path of women during that time period. And in fact, like one of her first big biggest quotes was, in the 1950s, once you married, you became what your husband was. So it seemed like the last choice you'd ever have. I'd already been the small parent of a very big child, my mother. I didn't want to end up taking care of someone else.
1: Oh, uh, fuck. That's, how, that's heavy. Aww. Yeah.
0: So uh, after finishing her degree, Gloria received a fellowship to study in India, and um, she first worked for Independent Research Service and then established a career for herself as a freelance writer, which now brings us to her most famous article and the groundbreaking moment in her career. What is with the sunglasses? <laughs>
1: The the southern sun is beating down into my eyes right
0: through my window. CJ just removed herself to go grab a pair
1: of sunglasses to put them on her face in her living room as we're recording. Uh, Did I mention I'm drinking wine out of a plastic cup? (laughs) All right, um, okay, so yeah, this brings us to the Playboy.
0: So in 1963, Gloria went undercover as a Playboy Bunny cocktail waitress to experience life in Hugh Hefner's New York Playboy Club. Um, So it wasn't like the Hollywood Playboy Mansion. I think in New York, they were like... I actually, in several major cities, there were things called the Playboy Club, which to me just seemed like a lounge with cocktail waitresses where guys would go, you know, probably smoke cigars and hit on the chicks. And it was just like a hangout. Um, So... After this experience she wrote her groundbreaking essay called a title or sorry called a bunny's tale and it was published in show magazine and it marked one of the first times a woman publicly challenged society's stance on female beauty standards so prior to this investigation Hugh Hefner had been publishing these monthly essays that he called emancipation proclamation of the sexual revolution and gloria read them and she thought there was like a really disgusting comparison between his porn magazine and lincoln's liberation of slaves yeah and that was what inspired her to go undercover and try to bring to light because like basically hugh hefner the whole idea behind playboy and the magazine and whatever was like hugh hefner's claim was that he was creating a sexual revolution he was making you know uh women being sexy for men and showing off their bodies like he was in his words like trying to liberate their sexual revolution but gloria did not agree she Mm -hmm. looked at it as like this is not about women's revolution this is about men exploiting women through a sexual revolution
1: so did she when maybe you're gonna get into this sorry but when she went undercover so was she like a playboy bunny yep yes so
0: uh, <laughs> yes. um so she decided to expose hugh hefner by infiltrating the public face of his sexy media empire the playboy club which at that time was a sophisticated attraction in like several u.s cities which is so funny because one of the first people in my research that was uh mentioned that attended these playboy clubs were the beatles
1: <laughs> otherwise known as the biggest band of fuck boys okay let me stop we're gonna have to edit that out okay well i thought you wrote about it in the blog post anyway i did fuck the Beatles okay sorry let
0: me stop well now we're just yoko fans so yeah fuck the beatles yeah
1: we're team yoko bitch <laughs>
0: <laughs> um okay so The club, like, the club would put out job ads to try and attract women to come apply to be waitresses, and they wrote about it as, quote, attractive young girls can now earn $200 to $300 a week. Bunnies can enjoy the glamorous and exciting aura of show business. The Playboy Club is the stage, and the bunnies are the stars. This is the top job in the country for a young girl. So girls would read these ads and think like oh I'm sure they're probably thinking like oh when I become a bunny I'll get fame and be a model or I don't know whatever they think so Gloria created a fake identity and her name was Marie Catherine I think it's Oaks hmm. O-C-H-S sure okay and she was a 24 year old secretary. Which at this time, I believe she was actually 28 years old. Um, So she applied, and the Playboy Club loved her and they hired her on. But she was beautiful. Like, Gloria at this age was, like, a bombshell. Yeah. Which, obviously, you know, it helped a lot because that's what they were looking for.
1: Right. Um, I was just going to mention that I loved, because that is sort of, it's part of, I think, why she's as famous as she is, is because she's a good face. And I love that she knew that and used that to help other women. That's right. awesome. Yeah.
0: So her costume was, in her words two inches smaller than any of my measurements everywhere except for the bust and it was so tight that the zipper caught my skin the bottom was cut up so high that it left my hip bones exposed as well as a good five inches of untanned derriere (laughs) while she was one of these bunnies she lost 10 pounds after just a few days of work And the minute that her costume was starting to feel more comfortable, because originally it was skin-fucking-tight, and then she lost 10 pounds, and like right as it started to feel good on her body, she came to work one day, and the seamstress had cut two more inches off each size. (laughs) Wow. The uh, backstage area for the bunnies was cold with cement floors, and it had inadequate heating, which was far different than the classy, polished public areas in the club that all of the male clients were hanging out in. So, like, back of the house, it was, like, fucking shithole central that these women were having to, like, work... Like, those were the working conditions when they weren't out in the front flaunting around. Mm -hmm. Um, Bunnies who sneezed often tore their costumes. (gasps) Because that's how fucking tight they were.
1: Wow.
0: And girls with colds were often replaced. Because, one, if they were sneezing, they'd rip up their costumes. And because they didn't want some fucking sick chick, you know, out there not doing her A-game. Wow. Uh, Bunnies also paid for all of their own, like, extra costume accessories, such as fake eyelashes, tights, whatever dry cleaning was needed for the costumes. And even worse, there was a demerit system. So, like, messy hair, undone nails, you know, undone makeup cost them five demerits each which I don't know if that is in terms of like their salary. Like I don't know if five demerits means $5 or if a demerit uh, plays a role in the amount of hours of work they're getting. I'm not 100% certain on that, but five demerits each if they were like under you know weren't looking up to par and uh there was one meal that was provided for the, to them a day and it was a disgusting brown stew so most of the bunnies would sneak food from the buffet that the clients ate off of
1: <laughs> um
0: but eating or chewing on duty costs 10 demerits for the first offense and 20 for the second and you'd be fired for the third
1: <laughs> Whoa, what a what an amazing empowering sexual revolution Hugh Hefner had going. Right? So cool.
0: Even more annoying, the club had hired undercover detectives to check bunny costumes for dirtiness. Stop. No. <laughs> hefner also told the agency's most attractive and personable male clients to offer bunnies up 200 dollars to go home with them and if any bunny accepted they were fired because you weren't allowed to date
1: guests so they would set them up <laughs> what a fucking okay what a piece of fucking shit But it it continues to get worse than that. Oh, God. I'm going to keep drinking. Okay. So
0: they would get fired if they accepted money from, like, just average, hot, rich Joes that went to the club. But if those guests were senior members, bunnies were actively encouraged to date the number one key holders who were most prominently journalists and the club's management team. Wow. Cool. That's... So, like... They were tricked into accepting money from lower-level male guests, and if they accepted, they'd be fired. But they were encouraged to accept any type of like money or date from a higher-level man because those were the people that were keeping the club alive.
1: I know this probably goes without saying, but it's so interesting to me how much that mirrors what abusive relationships look like. You know, we're like nothing you do is right; everything you do is wrong. This is right sometimes. This is wrong sometimes. It's just like, ugh, ugh. disgusting. Well, and that's like the number one thing that I talk about in any of my
0: counseling sessions is how my understanding of reality is so skewed because I came from a world that constantly told me what was wrong was right, but only if this happened or this person did it. But if it, it'd be wrong if this situation. And so when you're when you're built in an environment like that that like re like replays all the
1: rules however fits their needs it fucks you up it's like you totally. don't even know what to do anymore because there's no fucking i mean i guess that's what gaslighting is like there's no sense of reality there's nothing that you can hang your hat on it's all everybody's just making up bullshit as they go and uh, but you
0: have to somehow figure out what part of that bullshit is right or wrong or you'll be right. reprimanded right but it's a guessing game every time
1: Right, it's like Russian roulette with your job, or your feelings, or your safety. Yeah. Dude, fuck you, Hefner. Sorry, spoiler alert, fuck that guy.
0: (laughs) So, a bunny once sued the club for misrepresentation, and she received death threats. And when a bunch of bunnies tried to strike for better play, or better pay, the club said that they would just fire them all and replace Mm -hmm. them with new women.
1: Mm -hmm. so
0: and this is all info that gloria was like secretly documenting the entire time she was there she was only there for two weeks i was just gonna ask holy shit so in two weeks she lost a shitload of weight because of i think the costume situation and constantly moving around and being on her feet the lack of food that was available um and she somehow this is fucking nuts added half a shoe size to her foot permanently because her like feet created a new shape to them from having to walk in three inch heels like every day long hours a day for two weeks like you know that like strange angle that your feet has to be in like because of that restructuring of her her foot and her bones her feet got larger
1: Oh shit <laughs> oh my god
0: um and she also only met one girl in the two weeks that she was there who did actually received the promised two hundred dollars that they were supposed to be earning no one else ever made that much money
1: what were they do you know what they were making i don't i mean it would have
0: had to have been under two hundred dollars but what the advertisement was saying was you'd right. make anywhere from two to three hundred dollars
1: Which at that time
0: was, like, way more money than any other waitress in a normal restaurant was making. So they were like, oh, my God, this is such a great salary. And, you know, this ad says that I'm going to be the showgirl and show business. And it's, you know, these are these sophisticated clubs that the Beatles are going to, you know. They, like, they advertise it in such an appealing way. And then it was just a fucking shithole.
1: Because they would just use all the bullshit demerits to be like, oh, nope, sorry, you don't get Oh, it. Wow. you have a chipped nail? Oh, that's an hour <laughs> off your your wage that we've promised you. You're menstruating and this outfit is too tight for you? Sorry, you're fired. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> so she felt that Hefner's,
0: like, sexual revolution was just good old-fashioned exploitation of women. Yep. And um, so the magazine called show is the magazine that published her two-part article and that was published in may 1963 for weeks after a man who i couldn't find out who he was um repeatedly made obscene and threatening phone calls to her for like weeks on end after this publication went out um and for a very long time after it was published she was unable to get serious journalistic assignments because now people were labeling her as a bunny and no one gave a fuck as to why she did what she did wow so they used her investigation against her and they were just like oh you were a playboy bunny you're garbage it's like no i i went undercover at the playboy club so that i could bring fucking awareness to how poorly the women were being treated you piece of fucking shit like, that's hardcore journalism. What the fuck? Yeah. And so she was in that industry. She couldn't get assignments for the longest time because they just said, fuck you, you were a bunny.
1: Do you know, or did you already say, and I'm too drunk to remember, Did what year that was published?
0: That yeah, was it was called? published in May of 1963. So she had to have only been 28 still because I think she started this investigation at 28. And if she was only there for two weeks, I don't know how long it took her to write and get it released, but you know, in her late 20s, this all was happening. Wow. Wow. Um, but luckily, she was able to get past it, and I'm sure after time, people kind of were being more lax about the whole thing, so she was able to go on and be, like, a very successful author and a massive feminist icon, but nevertheless playboy never forgot or let go of her little investigative research and they continually would republish her bunny pictures as well as a nip slip they somehow captured while she was there at the club
1: wow petty as fuck yeah oh wow wow um but even
0: after all of this happened so many of the other bunnies like appreciated her work obviously and several of them contacted her after that publication came out two of them said that they had complained about sexual exploitation and they had tried to like create a union and they were uh told that if they attempted any of that they would have acid thrown in their faces holy
1: fuck
0: yeah whoa so I don't know who told them that, but like any right. attempt that they would make at like it bringing awareness to exploitation that was taking place, they would just end up getting harassed and threatened, like their lives, which like Gloria also experienced. She was getting like death threats from like random men after her article and went for, out. And for what? And like for what? For what? She, people did not like the fact that she was bringing the truth about the Playboy Club it was raining on all the men's
1: parade hashtag sexual revolution okay 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 (sighs) so yeah i just want to remind the listeners at home that the beatles went to these clubs just saying (laughs) hashtag team yoko okay
0: paul and john were doing beer bongs at the playboy club
1: fuck them dude all right I do like George, George, so I'm just going to pretend George was at home writing a sad song about it.
0: (laughs) So after this whole thing happened, um, you know, it obviously inspired her to dive even further into feminism. Like, the backlash that she got from this incredible thing that she did was, you know, built, like, fueled the fire. Like, oh, okay, well, now I'm going to just come around and continue to fuck everything up. Like and she did for the rest of her life and she's still alive um but she's never stopped so after that she ended up found like being a co-founder of a feminist magazine called Miss have you heard of
1: this Yes, I have. I've actually applied for fellowships through them. <laughs> oh, wow! I've, <laughs> never, I've never heard of MISS,
0: so mm. that was, it was interesting to me. But uh, basically, MISS treats contemporary issues from a feminist perspective, and its first 300,000 test copies sold out nationwide in eight days. And oh, within yeah. a week, it received 26,000 subscriptions and over 20,000 reader letters. It's almost like women care about this stuff. Could you b- imagine that? I, w- I read that and I'm like, oh, so like the same type of feedback we've gotten from our podcast. Great.
1: I was just going to say, can we <laughs> replicate this model for a podcast?
0: 26,000 subscriptions week one. Yeah, that's us.
1: <laughs> it's not, but it Hashtag could be. <laughs>
0: Um, And in 1969, she published an article called After Black Power, Women's Liberation, which brought her to national fame as a feminist leader. She became an advocate for the women's liberation movement, participating in the following organizations, the Coalition of Labor Union Women, Voters for Choice, Women Against Pornography, and Women's Media Center, which was an organization to make women visible and powerful in the media. Uh, In 1979, she wrote a semi-satirical essay for Cosmopolitan titled If Men Could Menstruate. (laughs) She concluded in the essay that in such a world, menstruation would become a badge of honor with men comparing their relative sufferings rather than the source of shame that had been for many women. In year 2000, at the age of 66, Gloria did something that she had insisted for years she would never do. And that was getting married. She oh. wed, yeah, she married. At 66, mind you. <laughs> um, she ended up marrying David Bale, who is an environmental and animal rights activist and was the father of actor Christian Bale. And her Whoa. wedding Right?
1: Okay, okay.
0: So her wedding raised eyebrows, you know worldwide because they were like oh this hardcore feminist who said she'd never get married got married like fuck you but the union didn't last long as bale died of brain cancer in 2003
1: oh, fuck. did she why did she decide to marry him does it did you i don't know but sh-
0: after he passed away only three hours or sorry three years into their marriage she was quoted to say he had the greatest heart of anyone i've ever known and that was the only thing that I could find on that. Hmm. So maybe it was just like 66 years later. Well, also, he was like an environmental activist, animal rights activist. I'm sure, you know, being 66, him having similar interests in like activism as she did, and him technically having the greatest heart of anyone she'd ever known. Yeah. Maybe she just said, hey, it, it, the stars aligned. And I didn't think this would ever happen, but it, it did.
1: Well, also, so right after college, the summer after we graduated, I had a summer fellowship, like a reproductive health fellowship with this um, organization that was really small in San Francisco that was run by a couple, but they weren't married. They were in their 60s, and they'd been together for two, three decades, something like that, but they weren't married, and I remember asking them about that, and they were like... Uh, You know, you know, we're feminists. Blah blah blah. A man and a woman, but they were like, we're feminists. We hate that. This was before gay marriage was completely legal. You know, they were like, we don't want to participate in this thing. But I remember Ellen was her name was the woman. She was like, we've been thinking about it, though, just because we're getting older and we want to make sure that we have rights to visit each other in the hospital if we get sick or we want to make sure that our spouse, if one of us were to die, that the other spouse could receive benefits, you know, that kind of just the very like practical stuff of being married in the United States. So I wonder if maybe that was part of it, too. They were just getting older and they wanted to make sure that the other person was taken care of. Yeah,
0: know. Maybe, Yeah. Anyway. Um, and in 2016, she hosted the television documentary series Women with Gloria Steinem, which focused on issues that concerned females. And as of 2018, Gloria is 81 years old and travels internationally as an organizer and lecturer and is a media spokeswoman on issues of equality. So at 81 years old, she is still fucking out there just fucking activisting away fuck yes
1: fuck yes I and then there's a, a
0: couple of quotes that i liked about her that i wanted to read off the first one women have two choices she's either a feminist or a masochist. Mm, next quote. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> the next quote We've begun to raise daughters more like sons, but few have the courage to raise our sons more like our daughters.
1: Ooh, yes.
0: And then the last one that I really like I'll know we're getting someplace when as many young men as young women ask, How can I combine career and
1: family? Mm, yes. Oh, God. That's a good one that is a really good one so uh, what do you think her sign is Uh, I've been thinking about it the whole time um I want to say she's a fire sign or an air sign she can't be earth or water she's fire okay uh I'm gonna go with ooh ah fuck okay I want to ah I want to go with Sagittarius
0: no okay
1: leo nope she's an aries i mean i guess yep. that makes sense i guess that makes sense i could see her being any fire sign um but i was thinking sagittarius specifically just because i feel of all the fire signs sagittarians are the most sassy and so and we'll just like say it to your face super up front and that's why i was guessing them but aries makes <laughs> sense too
0: I think, like, to me, the biggest standout for Aries is that, um, she has that, like, stubborn sense of, like, can't stop, won't stop.
1: Sure, yeah, yeah. And,
0: like, even after publishing that article and the backlash that she received, like, instead of coiling and, like, running away and scurrying, she was like, I'm just gonna keep coming harder and harder
1: you know what else too i feel like more than even leos and sagittarians something that aries can do when they're operating at a really high level is kind of use their charm and their beauty and their social standing to help other people like they're aware of what they have and so they can be like you know what i'm gonna instead of trying to be humble about this i'm gonna capitalize on this and use it to help the higher good i do think that can be a very aries trait so yeah we're trying to be nicer, guys, because some of y'all got real motherfucking upset about how we would talk about your sun signs, so we're going to try to emphasize the positive. Because she's a Virgo and I'm a Gemini, and we don't do well with people who cry. <laughs> Stop crying. Why are you crying? There's no crying in baseball.
0: No crying in baseball. Okay. Um, you want to know something interesting about me that I'm pretty sure you don't know? what that i actually forgot about until i started researching about her what and you're gonna scream i okay so when i was living in san francisco and i probably was maybe 20 or 19 i can't remember i was in a relationship at this time a long-term relationship and i wasn't enjoying my job and i wasn't making enough money and I decided one day that I was gonna go apply to be a cocktail waitress at all of the strip clubs in North Beach. <laughs> uh, wait, there are strip clubs in North Beach? Shitloads of them. The Condor.
1: That's like oh, the biggest is that, one. Is in that like little they? Italy? Okay, word, word.
0: Okay. And I went and did it. I fucking showed up with a resume and I walked around North Beach and I went to every single fucking strip club and applied. And 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 what happened? Nobody hired me. (laughs) But you have such big tits. I don't understand. (laughs) Well, like, I had, like, a professional resume written out. Like, a college student. Like, I don't know what I was thinking.
1: You're like, like, I can format Excel spreadsheets.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I walked in there being like, I study, uh, you know, sexual psychology and quantitative analysis of social research. And (laughs) I waitress at this you know place and blah 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 and they were probably like get the fuck out of here
1: they were like this is gonna be Gloria Stein in part two we don't fucking trust you (laughs) well so since I'm drunk now I wasn't gonna say this one of my very best friends who I won't name completely I'll just call her T she was in Playboy in 2000 nice like, like in, in the boy. magazine yes ma'am oh wow yeah i think it was october i'm not sure though yeah that's they were, they, they were going around college campuses soliciting women i think i, I assume i hope it was paid and they were like hey send us pictures of your tits and then she got in, she got in this is a very titty episode um, yeah it really is yeah that's huh. the title that's the title we're gonna call it a very titty episode um, okay. um yeah so one of my very best friends was was a model and playboy well Fun cheers to all of us just
0: fucking up with our best lives <laughs> killing the game doing what we
1: want yeah fuck yeah so I'm so happy you shared that because I know you know having studied social and all that shit sociology sorry guys um of course I know Gloria Steinem but I didn't know I didn't know that whole story that she posed undercover and then that was sort of her like launch into feminist politics that's fucking awesome I'm yeah, so and there's
0: there's one picture of her from the Playboy club that if you Google her name, you'll see it and she's has the bunny ears on and the corset yeah, and all I'm of do it. it.
1: Right now. I'm going to do it right now. Gloria yeah. Steinem. Um so my aunt is um she's she does a lot of work in public health and she was at some conference a few years ago and she posted a Facebook picture of her and Gloria Steinem no way yes and i was like oh my god you're the coolest person ever i don't remember what the conference was but um gloria steinem playboy god bless her i i find it so fascinating too that she grew up in such a non-conventional way um did she end up going did she do so she's not a scholar it sounds like well she graduated college she went to i think she went to
0: smith's college that i believe was like a really small like art school or something
1: Mm -hmm. at at that time i think smith was all women too i think okay i think oh my god look at her she's so yeah she's a baby i know wow pretty crazy that is so awesome all right a good a very good aries that's awesome yes all right well, What a what a political episode. I fucking love it.
0: I know. It's funny cuz it's like sometimes, you know, our episodes are more light and fluffy and sometimes are yeah. a little bit heavier and more political. But I think that makes it exciting, you know? Like we don't know who we're going to cover and the, the vibe is always going to change every episode.
1: Yeah. And I like that. I do too. You never know what you're going to get. Um before we sign off, there was at least one thing I wanted to say, which is that, well, we should probably talk about that astrology piece. But before we get into that, um, <laughs> so I may have, you know for the for the sake of plausible deniability i may or may not have been really high the other night depending on what version of my life you want to pretend i'm living but i was potentially extremely high the other night and i was listening to one of our episodes and you know how on the itunes app you can speed up or slow down the audio um my friend just told me this the other day
0: (laughs) she's like she literally said melissa i am so impressed with how quickly you and cj can talk like how how did you learn to speak so quickly and i'm like what are you talking about she's like i was blown away it was like almost like alvin and the chipmunks i'm like i have no idea what you're talking about we speak at a normal level did you have it up
1: of all up at speed No, I very deliberately put it at half speed, and we sound fucking wasted, and it is hilarious. And I highly (laughs) recommend that you listen to one of our episodes. I think I sound worse than you. It's just kind of (laughs) like It is so funny. So i highly recommend if you want a new listening experience put us on half time that is amazing did she
0: did you actually explain to her that she had it on well no so i was just like you're nuts i don't know what you're talking about and then two days later she sends me a screenshot of like the podcast and her finally seeing that it was on a different speed and she's like oh my <laughs> god i don't know how this happened or like how i didn't realize <laughs> that i had it up of like up a speed And I was just dying laughing. Like, I couldn't believe that she actually thought that that was us talking.
1: That, yeah. I feel like we talk fast anyway. So for that to be on hyperspeed. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking crazy. Uh,
0: Don't forget that um, we would really love for you to subscribe, download our episodes, like them, comment on them, all that fun snazzy stuff. Please share it with your friends and family. Um, You know... Even just, you know, sharing on Facebook is a huge, huge, huge help. And it only takes about 10 seconds. We really, really, really appreciate it.
1: We have an Instagram account at Almosa Sisterhood. One of my very good friends, Jason, who is a Leo man, makes amazing collages for each of our episodes. And you guys should follow us on Instagram for those fucking graphics alone because they are so hilarious. So shout out to Jason.
0: And it's so generous of him to do this for us.
1: Um, for so we free, really, really appreciate way. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so check us out on Instagram, check us and out. And the website mimosasisterhood.com And you can read short little blog posts about each episode that are very sassy and have links to resources that we might mention in the episodes. Thank you so much for listening, and stay tuned for next Thursday's episode.
0: Woo! And don't forget to always support women in wine. Yeah. Cheers. Bye. 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 Bye.